Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, HCI Research Associates, Dr. Jessica Pauly, Dr. Maria Blevins, and Dr. Leandra Hernandez discuss mask wearing in the workplace during the COVID-19 pandemic. everyone. Um, my name is Jessica Pauly. I am a assistant professor of communication um, at Utah Valley University and I am um, on this podcast today with a couple of my colleagues and we're going to talk about a really timely topic. Um, it's the coronavirus and we're actually focusing on unmasking the mask. So we will be sharing some ideas and a little bit of scholarship, a little bit of um, information from the news recently, particularly from a communication perspective. So what that means is we're going to be kind of digging into what does a mask mean when we see people out in public wearing the mask? What does it mean to us as a symbol? What does it symbolize to others? Um, Because a mask communicates something to other people and that might mean different things to various individuals. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. And then we also will be tying it into the workplace because obviously many of us are still working during this time and wearing a mask at work um, might be a complicated topic or asking your patrons um, to wear a mask can also be something that is on the minds of many people today. Mm. So without going any further, I did want to allow my colleagues to introduce themselves. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Leandra Hernandez. I'm also an assistant professor in the Department of Communication at Utah Valley University. And I study mostly health communication and media studies. And most recently, I've been researching the ways in which different outdoor organizations can use certain messaging appeals to target their audiences more effectively. Hi, I'm Maria Blevins. I'm also an assistant professor of communication at Utah Valley University. And um, I study environmental conflicts and how organizations perform as actors within those conflicts. Awesome. So we're going to have such a great conversation today. I think all of us bring something really um, unique to the table in this larger conversation. So I think what we're going to start with is um, Leandra is going to kick us off with some thoughts on the cultural shift and the shame around mask wearing. Yeah, thanks for that, Jess. So as we know it, the coronavirus has undoubtedly become our reality for the last several months. 
And we've watched our seemingly everyday sense of normalcy change and evolve rather abruptly, particularly in workplace contexts, right? So for those of us who are in higher education, we found out in a day that we had about a week to transition all of our classes online. And that didn't even really hit us in terms of the emotional losses we would face not being there with our students or with our colleagues. So we're acknowledging here that the rippling of COVID has affected us all in so many ways. And ever since early March, I've had the pleasure of having weekly live Facebook chats about COVID with several of my colleagues in disciplines like English and medical humanities. And we've been tracking the development of several of these trends, including but not limited to healthcare treatments, medical recommendations and mandates, and in the midst of this all, the shaming. So as a communication scholar who researches health, identity, and gender in different media and cultural contexts, I've long thought about the role of fear appeals and how different sorts of appeals, fear, emotion, and logic, can be used to inspire individuals to change their behavior or to resist altogether. And when public health officials started to recommend that individuals wear masks to prevent virus transmission, for me, that felt perfectly normal and perfectly logical. But I'm also acknowledging this because I lived in Japan for several months where mask wearing is not only culturally normative, but also encouraged and supported even when we are not in the midst of a pandemic. So in relation to that, I've long been thinking about why this is so different in the United States and what sorts of factors exist to kind of create this shift and then also inspire responses to it. Um, culturally, I was born and raised in Texas and have long been interested in the kinds of discourses and health trends there, particularly as they are in conversation with what we're seeing here in Utah. And in March, Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, in line with several other politicians, discussed that it was important for businesses to reopen to save the economy, which galvanized a lot of conversations across the spectrum. So appearing on Fox News, he told Tucker Carlson, quote, no one reached out to me and said, as a senior citizen, are you willing to take a chance on your survival in exchange for keeping the America that all America loves for your children and grandchildren? But if they had, if that's the exchange, I'm all in, end quote. And understandably so, like I said earlier, this galvanized comments from all across the spectrum, right? Um, particularly because of the ways in which choice, family, and life were being framed and still are being framed culturally in the midst of COVID. And as a result of this, we've seen the pandemic shaming emerge, not just in news situations, but also in our own communities and our own social media outlets, because it all comes down to whether or not people want to wear the mask. And there are very passionate opinions about the mask on all sides. And I go back to what I said earlier about appeals, right? How can we use these sorts of appeals most effectively from a communication perspective to convey the importance of wearing the mask while also acknowledging those who cling tightly to the rhetoric of choice? So in a recent CBS News article, UC Davis psychologist Cynthia Pickett says shame is the usual cultural go-to feeling in the midst of stress. She says, quote, humans have evolved to feel shame as a way of social control or socialization, which my colleagues are going to come back to later, meaning this is kind of our way in which our internal anxieties manifest outwardly. So she says that validating another's feelings is the best way to engage in conversation, but if an individual feels that wearing a mask infringes upon their rights, then this also raises the question of how to address the validation of those perspectives, particularly in the workplace, right? So from an organizational perspective, 
as we'll discuss later, it's very prudent for leaders, managers, and employees alike in our own organizational workplace communities to be mindful of our own workplace culture and our workplace family when it comes to wearing masks, being supportive, and really engaging in dialogue about virus perspectives because it's going to be around for um, you know a while as we know it. Maria, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think you expressed really well this interesting division that I had not anticipated around wearing masks. And um, I'm, I like feel very overwhelmed by it. Um, to disclose personally, I'm living right now with um, my folks who are over 70 and my mom has MS. So she has this autoimmune um, disease. So when I go out and about, I'm really, really conscious about what I might be bringing back to her um, because I'm the primary person doing the shopping. Um, however, the masks have become something other than wearing a mask. Um, it's become this, this signal, right? And um, I mean, I'm staying right now in a, in a very rural town in Arizona. I have a good friend that went to the grocery store and had a mask on and a woman yelled at her. And what that woman didn't know is that my friend is right now um, battling breast cancer, right? So it's this like, uh, we make these assumptions about people through this vis visual sign that they have on these masks. Um, and, and I feel like on one side, side we have people that are, um, that see people wearing masks and they're calling them overcautious, they're calling them sheep, they're saying that they don't think for themselves. Um, and they are describing people that are not wearing masks as free thinkers, um, as really valuing freedom, liberty, and as patriots, right? So that's like one um, contradiction. Uh, and on the other one, we have the folks that are wearing masks saying, well, I'm doing this for the good of humanity. I'm kind. I'm thinking about my community. And calling the other side anti-science, um, selfish, or ignorant, right? And what strikes me about both of these positions is that um, they, they are using these highly inflamed terms where it's gonna be really difficult for us to have a conversation about wearing masks that's not um, pretty, pretty heated or that we can't think through. So I wanna talk a little bit about Kenneth Burke who was a philosopher that's often drawn upon um, in communication. He had a lot of ideas about rhetoric and the way that we construct our arguments. And he identified God terms and devil terms. And God terms are these terms that nothing can be better than them, right? So holy, just, and freedom. These are God terms. These are things that we hold dear. Um, they are the, the highest ideals of humanity. The opposite of that is devil terms, right? And these are the very worst that we can be. Racist, ignorant, killer. These are devil terms. And how I hear each side of the mask divide um, describing the other side is in God and devil terms. And the argument that I would make is that we are never going to have a conversation with each other where we're going to get anywhere or where we're going to um, build community if we are using the most inflamed rhetoric possible. So I would just have us think through that. Um, and and I am guilty myself when I see someone not wearing a mask, I jump to some conclusions. But I had an interesting experience um, when talking with an elderly uncle who I assumed was on the like, I'm a, I'm a patriot, this is freedom. And then he disclosed that he'd gone several places looking to buy a mask and couldn't find one. So at that point we were able to give him a mask because we, are, we had some, some spare. Um, and I had made this assumption and it was, it was wrong, right? Um, so 
there are all of these possibilities. They might not know where to get a mask. They might, um, they might have almost drowned once in their life and something impeding their breathing feels really scary. So instead of jumping to the worst conclusion about someone, perhaps we could give them a little benefit of the doubt. Um, I would say though that no matter what, we are not going to be able to come together or do as Leah suggested, build a reality where we're all going to be as safe as possible if we're going to only be speaking in these inflammatory terms. Mm -hmm. yeah. right. Thank you both for those thoughts. I am kind of going to wrap them together and, and finish on some ideas about leadership and mask wearing. I think that this hits on some of the topics or some of the points that you've already shared. So some of the examples I think of in leadership, of course, are our president, President Trump, and then um, myself, you know, as a Catholic, I attend church, and it's been interesting in this time period where I'm not attending church, at least live, um, that I'm seeing my priests, my bishop, either choosing to wear or not to wear a mask. So I think there's something interesting about leadership in this time period. Uh, for instance, on April 3rd, there was a New York Times video um, in which Trump, President Trump admits, uh, quote, I don't see it for myself. And he's talking about mask wearing. He's saying in the video, he, he says, you know, this is recommended, but it is optional and I don't see it for myself. Um, in a May 8th NPR article, um, it reads that, um, quote, a masked president is not a good look for any number of reasons, and a president trapped in the White House does not communicate confidence. Communicating confidence is essential to the persona of this president. And I think that's pretty evident. Um, you know, in a leadership position, there are certain qualities that you want to um, showcase. And for our president currently, he does not feel at least I get the impression, he does not feel that wearing a mask is going to communicate his power and his authority. And so I think this is interesting. Similarly with uh, Catholic priests and, and a Catholic bishop, not wearing a mask um, during recent um, celebrations of mass at my church, I think that's really interesting um, because what does it tell us um, attendees of the parishioners, right, about whether or not we should be wearing a mask? So. If we consider um, one definition of leadership by Peter Northhouse, who's a professor emeritus of communication at Western Michigan University, he defines leadership as a process where an individual influences a group of people to achieve a common goal. And I think that definition speaks a lot to this time right now in mask wearing. If we take that definition seriously, um, people in leadership do have an influence on the people who follow them and who listen to them. And so if we're trying to achieve a common goal, if, if the goal currently is to help um, stop the spread of the virus, then what is our leadership telling us if they're not wearing a mask? I think this gets complicated. Um, there is a difference between leadership and management. Um, I'm going to mention Peter Northhouse again, because he mentions that leadership is seeking adaptive and constructive change, whereas management is seeking order and stability, right? And so I think we need both at this time. We need to seek out change. We don't want to live in this state of um, the virus spreading rapidly and all of us having to social distance and wear masks as much as possible. But we also want order and stability. Nobody wants to 
you know, look to their future and say, well, I guess I'm just going to be wearing a mask for the rest of my life. And so I think this, all of this brings us to this very complicated situation. Um, how are companies um, asking their patrons and or their employees to wear masks? A couple examples, um, April 18th, Walmart and Sam's Club announced that U.S. employees are um, expected to wear masks or face coverings while they're on the job, okay? And then Six Flags recently announced visitors will be required to wear face coverings. And there's also these rumors about Disney requiring the same, right? So we're talking both about employees at Walmart and Sam's Club being required to wear a face mask, but then also with these theme parks, you know, they have this responsibility and some of them are taking that step forward to say, no, we are requiring that anybody who comes into our space must be wearing a mask. So where does this leave us, right? Um, I think, Maria, you have a wonderful case study to share that can kind of help bring some of this reality forward for all of us in this moment. Yeah, this week I was chatting with some friends who um, own a company that rents out kayaks um, on a lake in Austin. And they were saying that they are requiring their employees and their customers to wear masks um, only when they check in and pay and then when they are at the dock getting their kayak and returning their kayak. And um, they were saying that it's just exhausting because people are not complying. And so it adds all this extra work to the day where, as they're reminding people to get their masks, as they're asking people to get their masks, and they don't feel very valued by their customers as they are um, not being um, being respected in what they're asking. So they came to me and said, hey, you know, you know a lot about communication. What recommendation would you give? And all of these ideas about how complicated this is came to the forefront. So I would ask my two other favorite communication experts, what do we tell them? Yeah, you know, I, I think the idea of communicating with the customer is so challenging, right? Several of my family members have long been in the restaurant industry. I mean, for like the last several decades, right? And when he, or the state of Texas announced that it was going to start reopening and restaurants were going to start opening in phases, I remember being very concerned for my dad's health. He's in his seventies, you know, he's in and out interacting with employees and customers all the same. And it's, I think it comes down to how can we convey to communicate communities more largely that empathy and mindfulness is the name of the game, right? And I'm trying not to be too cynical, but you know, with it's kind of what um, the UC Davis psychologist Cynthia Pickett said, right? Like in heightened states of anxieties, this is how it manifests, right? So something I've been thinking about a lot, I mean, I know it's out there in the news world, wear a mask, not for yourself, but for others. I mean, that, it's that utilitarian framing, I think that isn't really working because in my head, I'm thinking we need to show customers that it's important for the good of others, but it's also important for your own health, right? Like that's, that's one of the biggest framing um, angles I've been thinking about lately. Yeah, I think that's important too. Um, I also think that not only the framing of it, but just a clear and strong communication about um, what a company is asking, whether it's for the employees or for the people who are enjoying its services, right? Um, and I think, you know, from an organizational perspective, kind of, I guess, mimicking or mirroring what, what Leandra's already said, um, that care and support really needs to come through first and foremost. Um, 
that the company cares for the people that visit it and um, that are employed by the company. I think also flexibility and options to complete work, mm -hmm. particularly this is for employees rather than the patrons. Um, but perhaps when possible for both situations and in, in this particular case study, provide face coverings to people who might not have them. Um, I know I've been out and about and on at least one occasion, I have forgotten my face mask, which then, you know, I've returned home to get it, not willing to take that chance, but some people, you know, might be too far from home or what have you. So offering the, the face mask is, is one option as well. Mm -hmm. I would, I would just say going back to, um, we have these reactions, right? I think if we, um, whichever side that we fall on, I would ask yourself to look internally, why are you having that reaction, right? What is um, upsetting to you about this? And why is that upsetting? And then going back to, you have both said it, the empathy and the kind of community that you want to, to work in, to live in, to be a customer in, and, and just be thinking about, you know, um, there's like a real possibility that the employee feels the same way that you do about masks. And now you're just adding work to their day, right? By having them, in addition to doing the job that they already did before, have to remind you. And, and I don't think this issue is going anywhere. So maybe it's just time for us to say, we're not going to fight about it anymore. We're going to put masks on because that's the norm. Okay. Wonderful. This has been a really fun discussion. I think there's been a lot of ideas thrown out and shared. And while we are certainly not trying to uh, make this a political topic, I think it has gone um, that way in, in media. We've read plenty of articles that suggest that there are certain ways to perceive or view the mask wearing. Um, but I hope that our discussion today has given you some new insight to think about, um, perhaps some new ways to think about wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. Um, as it relates to you and your community. So I want to thank you both for your insights. It's been a joy. And um, I hope that everybody listening has really enjoyed this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.